Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers have had their share of challenges already this season, but more are on the way. The Packers, who have been decimated by injuries, are about to enter a murderer's role of a schedule. Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and it's my pleasure to be joined today and every week by Rob Reichel, the outstanding Packers reporter for Forbes.com. Howdy, partner. How are we doing today, buddy? I am doing well. You know, it's been a crazy, crazy NFL season, and I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Monday night game with uh, Derrick Henry and the Titans, but... How would you like to be a defensive back and have that locomotive come and run into you? <laughs> or a linebacker or a nose tackle, right, Gary? Good, good it, point. It doesn't matter. I mean, the guy's 250 pounds and he runs a 4440. I mean, it's it, it's almost unfair. He's, yeah. And it's almost unfair, not that the listeners care, that he killed me in about three fantasy leagues last night too, Gary. So, <laughs> <laughs> As I was as well. <laughs> You know what? I, I want to talk about uh, Henry later on in the uh, podcast, but uh, let's uh, start out talking, of course, about the Packers. And Rob, the Packers have incurred a rash of injuries throughout the first five games, including key ones to all pro players like Jair Alexander and Darius Smith. And they didn't even have uh, Bakhtiari, you know, since last season. So are you amazed at, at the fact that the Packers have a five and one record? despite all these, you know, key injuries? Well, not overly, Gary. I mean, it, it, as you look back, the, I, I think we're going to say this stretch of the schedule was not particularly daunting, right? I mean, they start with the Saints. I'd say it's 50-50 at best. They're going to be a playoff team. Obviously, the Lions are not going to be. San Francisco in week three will not make the playoffs. Pittsburgh's on the bubble, right? That was, I, I want to say that was week four. And then they went on the road. Cincinnati's a bubble playoff team probably. And, and the Bears are a bubble playoff team. What we're going to really find out, Gary, how good or, uh, you know, where this team might be headed is in the next six weeks. Now, in, in essence, they have a mini buy this week with, with Washington coming to town. They should roll in that game, get themselves to six and one. But then, Gary, we're, we're talking about a five-game stretch where if they go three and two, I would think they're going to be elated. At mm -hmm. Arizona, on short rest, four-day you know, four week there, they'll play on a Thursday night. Turn around and go to Kansas City, two-time uh, defending AFC champs, won a Super Bowl in 19. Home with Seattle in all likelihood the game Russell Wilson comes back in. Mm -hmm. um, at Minnesota, which we all know is a really hard place to ever win for these guys and home with the Rams. And I think the Rams are one of the five best teams in football. So Gary, we're talking about Arizona. You can, you know, the only unbeaten team left, you can make a case. They're as good as anybody in football right now. The Rams from that same division are a top five team. Um, the Chiefs are as dangerous as anybody. Gary, that they, they could, they could roll up 38 points in a game against Green Bay in a heartbeat. And then, you know, Two perennial powers. Uh, well, Seattle is certainly a perennial power. I don't think they've missed the playoffs since 2012, Gary. And then Minnesota, the team that you know kind of gives Green Bay typically the most trouble inside the division over the last 10 or 15 years. So that five-game stretch, Gary, to me, is going to determine where this season is headed. If they come out of that even three and two, they'd be what nine and three, Gary, heading to the home stretch. And I and I don't think the home stretch again is overly daunting. Uh, we're talking about a team then that should probably get to the finish line in about 13 and four, maybe even 14 and three. But um, hey, Gary, to your initial question, kudos to them. They've survived this rash of injuries where a lot of teams wouldn't. They kind of had the 50-50 the game against San Francisco that they won late, a 50-50 game against the Bengals that they pulled out um, in overtime. One of those could have easily gone the other way. Both of them could have, mm -hmm. um, I guess. And and, and, and Gary, they, you know, now I know the other night they lost, you know, Myers, he's going to probably be a month we'll, we'll see what's going on with Preston Smith. He had the oblique in that game. Savage went down with the concussion. I guess I'd be surprised if, if he went this week, Gary. So they suffered some more, but Matt LaFleur said on Monday, Bakhtiari is going to practice this week. 
I think he's going to play Gary within a week or two. There's no question about it. That line should get dramatically better. Somehow they hung around in the back end the other day, Gary, with, with Stokes, Sullivan, and Rasul Douglas, who was just picked up off the street as the top three corners in that game. Henry Black jumped in and did an okay job at safety for Savage. So, Gary, their, their depth is, is pretty darn good. And I guess as they start to get healthier, we'll, we'll find out exactly what they are. But like I said, the next five, six weeks are probably going to determine where this team is headed. Yeah, you know what? You've covered the Packers a long time. I've covered the Packers a long time. And I I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. I can't remember a stretch where the Packers will face that murderer's row. I mean, it's unbelievable. I I remember stretches where they had two or three maybe. But we're talking, what, five straight games here against high-caliber teams. And – that, that makes Sunday's game against the Redskins all the more important. I mean, they could go to six and one and then still have some cushion to slip up, you know, over the next four or five weeks. But uh, they, they can ill afford to lose to uh, Washington. No, and I certainly don't expect that they will, Gary. I mean, they're going to have cushion inside the division, I would think, all year. That, that win over Chicago the other night or the other afternoon, gave him a two-game lead in the division now over uh, Chicago and Minnesota. I, I don't anticipate the NFC North to, to be a, you know, a big deal. I would think they have that clinched by week 14 or 15 or something, mm-hmm. something like that, Gary. But really, the challenge as you look around the NFC, Gary, becomes, right, Arizona, 6-0, and the Rams, 5-1, and Tampa, 5-1, and Dallas, 5-1, and Green Bay, 5-1. and where do they fit in that whole picture when it's when it's all said and done? Can they challenge for the one seed or do they fade to black a little bit, you know, behind two or three of these other teams and end up as a four or five loss team and a number four seed? And then your path to the Super Bowl becomes dramatically harder, right? I mean, you, you, you look at it, Dallas is going to have an easy schedule playing in that NFC East. They should go six and oh against the combination of Washington, Philly and the Giants. I think Tampa's still the best team in football, Gary, until proven otherwise. They're the, the defending Super Bowl champs. Arizona looks like a beast, especially after going in and, and routing Cleveland the other day. The Rams and Matt Stafford are, are maybe as, as good as any of those teams, Gary. So where the Packers fit in that mix is, is going to be really interesting. And as you touched on, they can't stub their toes here against kind of the, the little sisters of the poor, which is what Washington will be on Sunday afternoon. And then they've got to step up and find a way to, you know, out of these big boy games they've got coming, Gary, Arizona, Kansas City, uh, the Rams, Baltimore, find a way to split those games. Don't go one and three. Don't go on four. You know, don't go one and uh, one and five, whatever, whoever you want to label in there as, 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 as the heavyweights. They've got to find a way, Gary, to at least split those. What becomes really tricky is the majority of those are on the road, right, at Arizona, at Kansas City at Baltimore, even at Minnesota, which is, which is going to be a challenging game. Really the only big boy they've got in, you know, at Lambeau, Gary are the Rams. And um, so they're going to have to find a way to steal a game or two on the road in some way, shape or form. If they do want to challenge for that number one seed again in the NFC, like they had last year. Yeah. You had uh, brought up about the Arizona Cardinals and and they have been playing great. And and I was kind of curious, which of the, big boys were going to go out and make that big time move first, you know, to uh, enhance their chances of uh, getting to the playoffs. And uh, sure enough, the Cardinals go out and last week and get Zach Ertz, who I think is a very good tight end. I mean, he's not the greatest tight end, but he's pretty darn good. And I'm thinking they are starting to put together a really, really potent offense. And uh, now I'm very curious to see which team takes the next move speak properly or makes that next move. And, uh, you know, as we talked about uh, last week, you know, the Packers, you know, have to look for a number two receiver. But having said that, they are so beat up all over the place, Rob. I mean, last week uh, against the Bears, when they ended the game, they had one starting secondary player there, you know. And who knows how that's going to hold up. Maybe they might have to go out and get another DB. But, uh, man, I'll, I'll tell you, the rash of injuries that the Packers have incurred 
Do you do you ever remember the Packers getting this beat up so early in the season? Yeah, Gary, they were traditionally beat up pretty good under Mike McCarthy, and and that was always an annual storyline. Uh, what what is McCarthy doing wrong in the off season? You know what what are they what are they what are they yes, not yes. focusing on that that they need to change the narrative of in their you know in, in their work in April, May, June, July. So they didn't get so beat up. I remember one year hamstring was the was the big injury there, and they had six eight guys out early, yeah. Gary, with, with hamstrings. Gary, you even flash back to that 2010 season where they won the Super Bowl, and they had remarkable depth that year too. But they were beat to absolute nonsense that year. I mean, if you remember, they lost Ryan Grant in the opener uh, that year in in the game at Philly. They they had guys fall. I mean. AJ Hawk wasn't supposed to play much that year, Gary. They had they had kind of made the decision they were, you know, they were going to make Hawk a backup and a part-time player. And they got so beat up at linebacker that, you know, that that Hawk ended up being a real staple of, of that championship team. 2010, they were absolutely beat to beat to nonsense. And uh, but you know, Gary, what, what what's fascinating about this stretch that we have going on right now is, you know, when when you talk Zadarius, Jair. Um, well, well, that's that's Bakhtiari. my point, Rob. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, we're talking Pro Bowl players. We're talking all Pro level players. We're talking four or five of their top ten guys. Yes, uh, yes. You know, with with Zadarius, he's a top five guy. Bakhtiari's a top five guy. Jair's a top five guy. You know, Preston's probably between ten and ten and fifteen now. If if he's out, Savage is somewhere in that ten to fifteen range. If if he's out come Sunday with that concussion, Kevin King's probably in the twenties. MVS is probably in the twenties when you're ranking, you know, their and, top and, most important and Jenkins, player. Jenkins is another guy. Yeah, you're right. Jenkins missed some time. He's a top 10 guy Gary. He's probably in that eight to 10 range. Josh Myers is in that 15 range yeah. himself. Now and now he'll miss, you know, probably the better part of a month with, with that knee that, that he suffered in Chicago. So no, their, their depth has been tested and it's, it's these guys like, uh, you know, Lucas Patrick, John Runyon, um, we, we, I don't think any of us expect Royce Newman to play this well coming out of the shoot. I don't think any of us expected Eric Stokes to play this well, Gary, uh, Rasul Douglas stepped in when, when Isaac Yadam flopped and failed in, in his chance to, to shine in that game, Gary. And, and he gave him some solid snaps. Um, I, I am fascinated that, and, you know, borderline amazed that the bears only threw for 175 yards in that football game. When you look what green Bay's you know, secondary wound up looking like again with, with Stokes, Sullivan and Douglas it's, and, and, and being down a safety too. I, I, you know, I know fields is young and he's a rookie Gary, but you would have thought he would have thrown for three and change in that, in that game against that secondary that the Packers had out there. So across the board, Gary, you know, these guys are, are holding up extremely well. These guys that you would probably put, you know, when you're ranking the roster, when these guys somewhere between 30 and 45, have been thrust into roles, you know, where, where they have, they've had to become starters and, and they're playing at a solid level. I mean, Matt LaFleur said on, on Monday, when they went back and, and graded the tape and graded the film, their best offensive lineman in that game was Lucas Patrick. And he wasn't supposed to play. I mean, yeah. he, he only stepped into the game because of the injury to Newman. I mean, you, you talk about Yash Nishman at, at left tackle for three games, holding up extremely well. He was the third option there, Gary. So the depth of this group is, 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 is pretty darn impressive. I, I will say this. I think any GM anywhere would tell you they would rather lose four of their top 10 guys versus their quarterback. If the quarterback is on the you know level of, of an Aaron Rodgers. You'd, you'd rather lose Bakhtiari, Alexander, and both Smiths, for example, versus losing Aaron Rodgers, because usually the drop-off is, is so deep. Now, Green Bay – I think he has one of the top five or six backups in the league right now with Jordan Love, and they could still play winning football with Love, and I think they will next year when when Love is the quarterback. But uh, in most cities, Gary, where you know the the, the backup quarterback, it, it's it's a pretty dramatic fall from from one to two. If if you're Arizona, for example, if you're the Rams, if you're Tampa Bay, you might want to lose some people other than the quarterback, and um, you know, so at least fortunately for Green Bay they haven't lost Rogers. You saw what happened in 13 and 17, right? That was a nightmare. That was a disaster when, when Rogers went down. Um, but top to bottom, Gary, it's, it, it is impressive what they're doing right now to be five and one and to doing, you know, and to be doing it with so many backups out there. Yeah, that, that was my point. It, it, it's not only the 
quantity of injuries. It's the quality of injuries. And you touched on, I mean, you're talking like Pro Bowl players like Alexander, Smith, Bakhtiari. I mean, if Savage goes down, you know, that, that would be huge. Jenkins. That's what my point was when I brought it up. I don't ever remember the Packers losing so many really, really good players so soon. I mean, what, they're at the quarter pole of their season? <laughs> and all these guys have been going down. But uh, give give LaFleur credit. Give uh, the, the assistant coaches credit because I, I don't know how they're doing it. The only team, Rob, I could think that had a worse injury situation, at least on offense, was New England. I don't know if you heard of, heard about this or not. They lost four of their five starting offensive linemen. <laughs> I know. I mean, right. that, that's absurd. And, and again, we're only five games, six games into the season. But Gary, if you look at Green Bay, I mean, they've played over the first six weeks without their preferred starter at left tackle, obviously in Bakhtiari. Jenkins, the left guards, missed three of the games. Myers, now the center, is, is going to be out for a stretch. And, and hey, I, I would think Adam Stenovich, what he's done with that group is going to be a hot commodity in, in, in the offseason to take a jump up, uh, you know, the coaching tree somewhere else because he's done yeoman's work uh, with that group. Um, yeah, Gary, it, it, you've already got my, you know, you've already written or got given me great story ideas for the week here coming up when I, when I go compare this list of injuries in terms of top 10 or top 15 guys you know, back to, to some of those other teams. I'm, I'm trying to think that 2010 team jumps out Gary, because they ended up with like 15 or 16 guys on IR when, uh -huh. when, when that's when that season ended. But again, I don't think anywhere, you know, quite to the, you know, they lost the running back in Ryan Grant Finley went down that year. He was a top 10 guy on that team. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think what else they lost. Nick Barnett went down that year. Um, and he was a top 15 type player, but Top to bottom, Gary, no, you're, you're right in, in terms of, you know, losing, let's say, at least six or seven of their top 15 guys so far this season. What they're, what they're doing is pretty darn remarkable. I'll be curious to see how that secondary holds up and if Savage can come back because, like we had talked about just a few minutes ago, the upcoming schedule is, is not only brutal, but each of them have outstanding quarterbacks. I mean, there's Russell Wilson, there's Matt Stafford, there's Kyler Murray. Oh, and there's a guy named Patrick Mahomes. I mean, <laughs> what I mean, what an absolute brutal stretch. I mean, if their secondary isn't close to being healthy, they, they could go through a really rough stretch. Gary, the way they are with injuries, and they're always extremely cautious. And they look this week and they see Taylor Heineke as the quarterback and an offense that is is very mediocre. That's coming to town. I think Washington's 24th in offense and 21st in scoring. They will give these guys that extra week because, like you said, you know what? Four days after the Redskins game, they'll see Kyler Murray. Then it's Mahomes. Then it's Russell. Um, then it's Kirk Cousins, who's having a really yeah, good year. Yeah, Cousins. Really yeah. good year. Then it's Stafford. Then they get a week where, you know, they see Justin Fields. So I guess that's a mini break for them in terms of not seeing an elite pro bowl level quarterback but then the week after that Gary, it's lamar jackson um you know so it's you know what what they have coming oh, up is, is downright borderline crazy the league didn't do them any favors um after the washington game three out of four on the road it, it, it's going to test them and it's going to test this joe barry defense like like nothing they faced so far this season so um they're going to look back gary and they're going to you know they're going to say it's a darn good thing that they started the year six and one or whatever, because like I said, I, I think it's going to be really hard for them to get through the next five or six weeks, much better than 500. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that has absolutely amazed me so far this season about the Packers though, is how the offensive line has done a credible job. I mean, this banged up offensive line, I mean, consisting of guys we had very seldom heard of in the last year or so how they've protected Rogers. I mean, Rogers has been sacked 13 times, you know, which I, you know, think is absolutely remarkable. I, I thought he was going to get sacked 13 times in the bears game. You know? <laughs> I mean, the way they came after him in the first quarter, I thought, man, this, he's in for a long day, but get this Rob, 13 times. And you look around the league 
Ryan Tannehill's been sacked 20 times. Baker Mayfield, 18 times. Bridgewater, Burrow, and Jackson have been 16 times. And here's this makeshift Packer offensive line, and Rodgers has only been sacked 13 times. I, I find that remarkable. No, it, it, it's certainly one of the top two or three storylines of the year, Gary, in terms of why this team is where it is. And and, and the line's only going to get better. I mean, like, like we've talked about before, I mean, Gary, think about how they finished last year, you know, until Bakhtiari tore his ACL on December 31st, right before that Bears game. You know, left to right, they were going Bakhtiari, gone, right, to start this year. Jenkins had to switch positions. Corey Lindsley, now, now a charger. Um, Lucas Patrick lost his job. And then Billy Turner. So, really, Gary, the only consistent guy, the only guy back from a year ago was Billy Turner. Um yeah. And they've been in flux at these other four positions. Now, I think what we found out, Gary, is, is the depth is better than any of us thought. And that Brian Gutekunst knows how to draft offensive linemen almost to the same level that, that Ted Thompson does. That, that he's getting this level of production right now out of, out of Runyon, uh, out of Royce Newman. They're deep. That, you know, that he found Nishman on the street. That they've turned Lucas Patrick into a pretty darn good football player. Uh, in this league, Gary, that that he drafted Josh Myers in, in round two and looks like he has his center for the next five to eight years sitting there in Green Bay. He drafted Elton Jenkins a couple of years back, too, in, in round two. I mean, you look at it, what Gutekunst has done, I mean, in terms of finding offensive linemen, that, that, that was always one of Ted's staples. He he, he loaded up at, at, at offensive line and, and wide receiver. He wanted to give Rodgers weapons, and he wanted to keep them clean. Um, Green Bay still needs wide receivers, Gary. That that's a problem area on this on this football team right now. Is you and I have talked about at length, but you can't complain about the offensive line, the depth there, the amount of bodies. Um, he keeps taking two or three every year in the draft, and you know he says, "Hey, if I have to lose a Lindsley along the way, if I lose somebody else here or there, we're, they're stockpiled, and and they're not going to pay a center ten million dollars a year because mm-hmm. they're going to have a young guy come in like Myers making about a million and and hope he does the job and and so far gary these guys are doing the job i mean if they would have kept lindsley there's no way they could have kept aaron jones right correct so yeah. i mean to me it's a no-brainer i mean gutekun's got a lot of flack on that including i think some from number 12 but uh man I, I, to me it's like hey an easy decision to make no i i mean i agree with you and and, I, and i'm even somewhat surprised Gary that they were able to find a way to sign Jones he he ended up giving him a, a pretty good hometown deal it's, it's in essence a two-year contract but when you're talking about a guy Gary like Corey Lindsley you know who was taken I think in 14 was his rookie year so he, he you got seven years out of him probably going to turn out to be I mean let's be honest he's probably going to play 10 11 years in the league if, if he's if he's fortunate you you got the better crust you've got the better overall body of work of Corey Lindsley um and then you turn around and you draft young you you see these guys break down Gary as they get to 30 31 32 I mean Bulaga went out to the Chargers and had injury issues last year you saw Lang and Sitton uh wind up leaving Green Bay and and both of them kind of were gone from the league Gary within two or three years you saw that back in the mid-2000s right when that when when Ted Thompson let uh both Marco Rivera and Mike wall get away and people went crazy Gary. Um, and both of those guys were out of the league in a couple of years when these offensive linemen, Gary, get into their late twenties, early thirties. And, and, you know, they don't even see their mid thirties mm-hmm. that, that their bodies do start breaking down that, that, that position takes quite a toll on you. It's one of them where you're better off both financially and just in terms of availability, a lot of times going young. And, and he invested a high pick, obviously, in Josh Myers, a second-round guy. When, when you invest a two in a center, you better wind up with one of the best 10 or 12 centers in the league. Myers isn't there yet, Gary, but I think he's going to be, when it's all said and done, he's going to trend in that direction. He's going to turn out to be a really good football player. But, again, they invested the draft capital in that position versus, say, a wide receiver, an inside linebacker, a corner whatever. And it's going to pay off for them. And, and they're going to get them for 10% of the cost that Corey Lindsley went out and signed for with the chargers. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, talking about positions that take a toll on a player, 
if you could play any position, Rob, on an NFL team, you'd probably want to play quarterback, right? Or wide receiver, I don't know, running back? To yeah, me, I'd probably want to be the kicker, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I don't, you, you don't get hit too often there. Especially, <laughs> Gary, especially if you're a guy like J.K. Scott, then you're, then you're, never, then you're never touching anybody or never were getting touched, which is probably why J.K. Scott, one of the reasons he's out of the league. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if he'll ever get back in the league. I would imagine at some point. But, you know, getting back to my thought here, the last position, I mean, the last position I would want to play is nose tackle in a 3-4 defense. You, you know you're going to get pounded by at least one guy, probably two guys, maybe even three, you know. And when I watch Kenny Clark just take that abuse every week, I, you know, again, I'm amazed that his body holds up. But on Sunday, there wasn't a guy I, I thought that saved that game for the Packers more than Kenny Clark. I mean, he had two sacks, you know, late in the game. And I, I just thought, what a terrific effort by uh, Mr. Clark. Great, great, great football player, Gary. I mean, he he really is. And And people were going you know, a little overboard and a little nuts last year because his numbers weren't quite the same. He was also beat up last year, but Gary, the, 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 this is a terrific locker room kid. He's a really good human being. Uh, he's an outstanding football player. When, when you talk about giving guys second contracts and, and some of them even third, you need to check all those boxes. And, and Clark is, is an A plus as a football player and he's an A plus as a guy. And, and so that's a win-win and an easier decision I think for the organization to when it's time to pony up to pay a guy like Kenny Clark which they did a year ago um no you're spot on Gary I mean it's 24 14 three minutes to go I think the Bears got as deep as Green Bay's 32 so you're already in field goal range because I don't think Santos has missed a kick in about 10 years himself he was he's on a streak kind of like Crosby was on um you know before the Bengals game and and Clark comes up with a sack on second down, I think it was, maybe it was even first down, Gary. I think it was first down. Second down, they get a little bit of it back. Third down, Clark gets the sack again. I think I think the two losses combined for 23 yards, Gary, it knocks them out of scoring range or field goal range. You know, they, they don't convert on fourth down, and Green Bay runs out the clock. Two enormous plays, and, and Gary, uh, again, I, I don't think that defensive line is, is an overly – special unit that green bay has and that's being kind probably dean lowry might add his best game of the season on sunday uh, kiki was pretty good in that game but but top to bottom gary I, I think that unit is pretty average uh but clark's the one guy who can tilt it and and he can take you from you know being an, a mediocre unit to to being a seven out of ten a, a b level type of unit instead of a c um and and he showed up and he did those kind of things on sunday he's uh He's a special talent, Gary. He, he really is. It, 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 would, it would certainly help um, if, if at the deadline, maybe they found him one more guy to, to, to give him some, some you know, help up front and, and somebody else they could you know, pair yeah. up and uh, share some of those snaps with because I, I think the, the Lowry, Lancaster, Kiki group top to bottom is, is pretty mediocre or subpar, Gary. He could use one more partner in crime up there, but uh, – you know, like, like you said, he has doubled almost every single snap, but he finds a way. He's, he's, a, he's a hell of a football player. Yeah, I mean, you know, 20 years from now, you know, when I think back to this Packer game, Packers-Bears game, I'm, I'm going to think of that performance by Ken, Kenny Clark late in the game with the game on the line as one of the things. The other thing I'm going to remember is Roger's comments. That I'm sure he wished he would have, you know, other people wouldn't have heard and, and Rob, you know what I'm referring to. It's like I, his, his comments were, I own you. And to me, that told me, told me once again about Aaron Rodgers. Maybe, maybe I'm nitpicking here, but if it was me, I would have said, we own you. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. It just struck, struck a chord with me that he was referring to himself. And yes, he has owned it, but so have the Packers. And, you know, if Kenny Clark uh, doesn't make those tackles, who knows what happens? I mean, if those backup players don't step up their game, you know, who knows what's, what happens. But 
that that kind of struck me that he comes out and says, I own you. And it was all about him. And we, we've seen this happen before over the years. It bothered you, huh? Well, I mean, not, it's not going to ruin my day or anything, but I think, uh, you know, again, if he could do it over again, I don't think he would have said I, he, he would have said we. I don't know. I, I think he'd still say I. We, <laughs> you know what? We, I do too. <laughs> we, we know Aaron Rodgers and we know him well. He's, he's pretty uh, self-centered, individualistic type of a fella, Gary. I, I will say this, and I'm Rodgers' number one critic, I think, out there. And, and I take a lot of heat for it in a lot of different areas and platforms. In the moment, Gary, I mean, I, I did find it mildly entertaining. I thought it was genuine. I thought it was natural. I, I you know, instead of some of this pre-rehearsed garbage we yeah. get a lot of times, I, 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 I did in the moment find it pretty, pretty entertaining. His team obviously did. Um, you know, I, I found the stuff later on where he said he blacked out and didn't remember what he said to be total gibberish and nonsense crowd but um i mean gary let, i mean let, let's be honest i mean the bears have no rebuttal for this their fans have no rebuttal for this when he does yell i bleeping <laughs> own you um he is 22 and 5 against them now in his career it what has happened in this rivalry gary over the last 30 years is so remarkable um it's like it's like nothing that this rivalry has ever seen I mean, Gary, I grew up in the eighties and I, I remember going to school and, and my pals would all would, would be fired up that, uh, they, you know, that Charles, Charles Martin knocked Jim McMahon out of a football game. And, and that was the moral victory for green Bay, right? Forget the fact that Mike Ditka was in the middle of kicking Forrest Greg's ass every single, every mm -hmm. single time they lined up and, and played. And I, I think he beat them all eight times or something like that, that they played There was a stretch in the eighties and early nineties, Gary, where the bears had won 12 out of 14 in this rivalry with, with Ditka. I mean, it, it was an absolute butt kick in the other way. And then Favre shows up, Gary, he goes 22 and 10 against these guys. And you would have never thought it was possible, but Rogers has done even better. He's 22 and five. And Gary, one of those games, he got knocked out in the first series of the game when, when Shea McClellan broke his collarbone back yeah. in 13. Um, that was a Monday night in Green Bay, and I think the Packers were double-digit favorites that night, Gary. And, you, you know, you'd assume they win that game. Rodgers is 23-4. and four. And, and Gary, and not, and not just wins. I mean, enormous wins, right? The 2010 NFC Championship game, the, the, the season finale in 13 when he finds Cobb, um, you know, free behind the defense in – in Chicago to when they came back and, and won the division. I mean, it's since Farvin Rogers showed up, Gary, they're 45 and 15. It's, it's just unbelievable. Man, There's been a 30 game, a 30 game shift in this series. I mean, Gary, back in 92, when Wolf got there, they were 23 games back in this rivalry. They were 57 and 80 and there were six ties as well, but they were 57 and 80 today, Gary, they're 102 and 95 with the yeah. six ties, a 30 game shift. I mean, the rivalry has never seen anything like this. So, you know, Gary, last week, Rogers made a comment that he's just one small part or piece of this rivalry. I, I mean, I will be honest. I I'll disagree with him there. If, if I was writing a book about this rivalry, Gary, I'd start with Aaron Rodgers. I really would. The fact he's 22 and five, I think he has now usurped and kind of trumped some of the central figures through the course of history in this rivalry, you know, even, you know, dating, dating back to Lombardi and yeah. you know, the, the, the Butkuses and um, you know, the Ditkas and you know, all the, all the, all the great Packers and all the great players and coaches we've seen through this history. I, I just think the dominance we have seen since 2008 from eight to 21 to me makes Aaron Rodgers the central figure almost in this rivalry, Gary. And the fact he yelled, I own you to the crowd, I'll give him a pass on that one because he has, I mean, the Packers have obviously owned him as well, but the number one reason for this dominance, I would say over the last 14 years has been Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You, you know, and the, the, the problem with Aaron Rodgers is Gracie is he's always been compared to Bart Starr and Brett Favre. And that's going to be the case forever. I mean, that's going to be part of Packer lore, but can you imagine Bart Starr ever saying that? Can you imagine Brett Favre ever saying that? I can't. Nope. Nope. Maybe Brett, but I doubt it because Brett, yeah. Brett, Brett was a wee guy. Brett was a team guy. You know, from the time Brett was four years old, Gary, he was following his dad around in locker rooms. 
he understood the we component. He, he, he understood that it was 53 guys every single Sunday that won football games. Again, Aaron will turn 38 in December, Gary. Yeah. Uh, still, a, still a single guy. Life has largely been about Aaron for a long, long time. Um, Aaron's a me guy first. Um, I can tell you, Gary, at any point in time, you know, middle of the second quarter, late in the fourth quarter, Aaron knows his stats. Aaron, Aaron knows what his passer rating is. Aaron knows his QBR. Brett didn't give a damn about any of that, Gary. And, you know, when, when, when the Packers were down three or four touchdowns in a playoff game against the Rams, Brett didn't care. He was still slinging it into double coverage, trying to cut that, you know, 21 point deficit to 14. Right. And he didn't care if that was picked and Aeneas Williams ran it back for, for another touchdown for the Rams. He didn't give a darn. Aaron cares about that kind of stuff. Aaron, Aaron cares about stats. So, you know, to your point, uh, Gary, you know, it, it, it's, pro- it's certainly not something star would have ever contemplated saying yeah, yeah. Favre maybe 5%, but I doubt it. Favre was a remarkable leader as good as that organization has ever had. That's always been the knock on Rogers leadership, but I, it, it did seem his teammates got quite a kick out of that the other day, Gary. Yeah. I, I don't want to belabor this point, but you, you make a good point about star that he would never, ever do anything, but let's say hypothetically that he did. Okay. Can you imagine what Lombardi would have done to him? <laughs> Gary, you might've traded him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, how, how times have changed and, you know, here's LaFleur bending over backwards to, you know, protect Rogers from his comments, but my goodness, if that would have been star and Lombardi. Wow. <laughs> no, I, again, I, I, in the moment, I thought it was genuine. I, I, I didn't mind it whatsoever. I, I kind of, you know, I kind of liked it almost there. Hey, Gary, I've walked into that stadium at soldier field year after year after year and and you see these fans and they're nasty and you know they they all look like Ditka and 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 they're and they're firing up their Johnsonville brats and and they're out there you know pounding pounding hard before the game it's 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 a hardcore group Gary that has been you know pretty darn disappointed in their football team since 1985 and they get revved up big time every time Green Bay come comes to town once a year and, and they're raring to go and time after time, after time now, you know, Favre and now Rogers have kind of stabbed him in the heart and, 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 and ruined their Sunday afternoon. I mean, they're fired up at 10 AM Gary and raring to go. And they walk out of that place every time at three 30 with their, you know, with their heads hung low, you saw how empty it got the other day, pretty darn quickly. Um, and the, and the two biggest reasons for that are Favre and Rogers. It, 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 it's a remarkable story. It's a remarkable shift the dominance in, in terms of how that rivalry has changed. Yeah. I, I will say this, you know, in defense of uh, Rogers, I, I was just watching that game and you've heard the line, you know, some guys are playing checkers. Some are playing chess. It was like Rogers was just playing chess out there. Like he could do whatever he wanted against a, a pretty darn good bears defense too, you know, but I mean, it's like, he is in so control of the game right now and uh he, he's a pleasure to watch i mean if if anyone thinks that the packers are going to be the same 10 years from now i, I don't know maybe they will be you know from a, a wins loss standpoint but i'll tell you what quarterbacks the caliber of Aaron Rodgers, don't come along very often Oh my God. No question about it, Gary. I mean, the fact that this team's going to have 30 years of, of, of hall of fame level quarterback play MVP quality on the field every single Sunday is, is just unheard of. And, and there's going to be a drop to Jordan love, but Gary, that game on Sunday was a hint into what you're going to see from green Bay in 2022 and, and beyond Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 23 times in that game, Gary. They mm-hmm. ran at 31. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the kind of football team they're going to be with Jordan love. Um, it, 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 at least until he grows up a little bit more, uh, maybe by, you know, the second or third year that love is a starter, the offense will look different, but I can tell you right now in 2022, Gary, they are going to be a run first operation. And that, that running back duo they have right now with, with, with Jones and Dylan is the best they've had in several years. And it's a top three, four, five in football. Uh, no doubt about it. 
like you said, Gary, that that defense Chicago has is nasty. It undoubtedly a top five in all of football. And both Jones and Dylan averaged over five yards a pop. Uh, Jones got in the end zone again on a little screen play. That's his fourth receiving touchdown of the year. Dylan has shown you that he can catch the ball. Um, I, I agree with you in terms of how Rodgers is playing, but he's he's not. You know, they're not asking him to do, and he's also not doing what he did in 2020, Gary. I mean, Correct. he's got 12 touchdowns yeah. right now through through six games. Um, you know, last year where he was pushing 50, you know, he's on pace this year for, what, 34, I guess. It's because they were playing 17 games uh, this season. Um, he's, I think he's only 21st in the league, Gary, in, in yards per game. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of that, again, it comes back to what we talked about at length last week. They don't have much in the passing game at wide receiver outside of Devontae Adams. They're, they're having to manufacture and get it done with, with running backs and, and tight ends. And, and then they're going deep into that wide receiver depth chart without many of those guys giving them a whole lot of production, Gary. But, um, you know, in, 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 in terms of their best chance to get to a Super Bowl this year, the way at least they're currently constructed, Gary, let's just say they don't add a wide receiver to this mix. I think, I think their best, best path to a Super Bowl is to ground and pound uh, with those two running backs, keep the ball away from people like Brady, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, whoever it winds up being, control the ball 35, 36 minutes with that monster, you know, duo you have in the backfield. Aaron Rodgers will never be a game manager, Gary. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's an all-time talent at, at that position. But, but try to go 50-50 in the run pass game where so many years they've been 60, 40 or, or more mm -hmm. in terms of, of the pass to run ratio. Um, I Gary, I think that's their best path to the Super Bowl right now, just because they don't have the weapons in the pass game. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Sp speaking of running backs, uh, I want to do some quick hits here, Rob, just a, a couple comments. And uh, at the outset of the show, we talked a little bit about Derrick Henry, but Monday night when he played, I thought I would never say this, but I, I, in my mind, I'm going, you know what? He could be on his way to be the greatest running back ever. I mean, it sounds ludicrous, but he, he's what now? Had three straight 1,000-yard-plus seasons. Um, he had 1,500 two years ago. Last year, he had 2,000. And uh, already he's got, Rob, get this, he's got 783 yards right now. <laughs> I mean, he's on his way to another 2,000-yard season now. He's going to need a couple more of these, but what a phenomenal running back. I, I, again, I've always felt that Jim Brown was the gold standard for running backs, and, we, you know, there have been other great ones like Peyton Sanders, Simpson. You can go right down the line, but this guy is 6'3", 250 pounds, and uh, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. Well, I'm just looking up some of his stats as you're talking, Gary. Here's the problem. He's, he'll turn 28 right, um, right. on January 4th, right? Can he get to 32, 33, 34 at this level of productivity? He's got 6,600 career yards, Gary, which is a pretty darn impressive number. He started slow, though. He only had about 1,200 his first two years Yes, combined in the league. No, I, I mean, I'm with you. Jim Brown's the gold standard. There, there's no question about it. Emmett Smith's the career leader, isn't he, right, mm -hmm. in, in rushing yards? Um, I, I think that's still accurate. Peyton, um, I think Adrian Peterson's in the discussion, Gary, what, what you know, not just not just the, the types of years he cranked out, but his longevity, and even to still be playing into his mid to late 30s was, was really impressive. Barry Sanders was, a, was an all-time talent. He's not there yet, Gary. He's, no, no, he's not. You know, no, he's, I, I agree. He's, 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 I mean, I, he's the best back in football, though, isn't he? And um, I don't think uh, it's close at this point, Rob. I don't. Really even, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think it's close either. He doesn't get hurt. He's a tank. His speed is ludicrous. Um, Gary with seventeen games now, any, anything's possible. I mean, he could rip off two thousand yards this year, as well as twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. And then all of a sudden we're talking, he's at 11,000 career yards. Right. And now, wow. and now we start to get into that rarefied air where he's chasing the top four or five guys and, and he enters that discussion, but that's what he needs to do, Gary. Um, you know, he's got, I'm just quick doing the math here. He's got about 6,200 yards since the start of 18. 
um, which is which is really impressive. And and Gary, if you you know, like you said, he he went for twenty twenty seven last year. Um, he's got the extra game this year. He's I'm I'm just looking here and doing the math in my head, yeah, Gary. He, yeah. He's on a, he's on a pace uh, way ahead of last year. He's he's averaging twenty five yards a game more than he did a year ago, and he gets the extra game. So the 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 trick with him obviously is is to stay at this pace for the next two or three years. Um, and then you start to get into that discussion. Like you said, you know, Jim Brown's numbers are never going to be great because he retired early. Um, same with Sanders. And when I, when I say great, I mean, all time chasing the Emmett Smiths and Adrian Peterson's of the world. I think LaDainian Tomlinson's up there too, isn't he? Cause he, sure. played, he played several years, but, um, you know, Henry's going to end up in that discussion, Gary, if he can, if he can, if he can keep this pace going, let's say through 2023 or 2024, then there's no question he can. The tricky part for him, like I said, Gary, is he turns 28 just after Christmas. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. You know, the the one thing I, I took into consideration, and you alluded to it, is the size and speed. And the only guy that I've ever seen comparable, that a, a guy that had that kind of a combination was Brown. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, what an impressive running back. <laughs> I mean, he, he really is their offense, isn't he? I mean, and last night, and I thought Buffalo was maybe the second or third best team in football. They knew what was coming every single player. Yeah. They, 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 they knew what the offense was. It was almost like, you know, trying to stop Ron Dane back in, you know, the Badger heyday, right? You, you, you'd stick nine in the box and, and try to take Dane away. And, you know, Buff, and Buffalo's gotten, a, you know, a top 10 level type of a defense, and they couldn't come close to slowing them down. And, and Gary, what, what's remarkable is once he gets to that second or third level, you've got corners and safeties that can't catch him. that, that, mm-hmm. you know, that he's running away from. And, and that might start to, you know, change as he hits his late twenties or, or turns 30 Gary, right. When you, when you get, when you get hit that many times in the lower body and the legs, I'm not sure he's going to be able to keep that four, four and change speed. You know, he might turn into a four, five, four, six guy later on in his career. And then, and then that 75 touchdown yard, you know, 75 yard touchdown run, right. Becomes a 30 yard run or something like that. But um, no, you, you, you're right. There, there's no question. I he's, he's the best back in football right now. Um, I'm trying to even think Gary, who I would put it to. I mean, it's, the, 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 yeah. there's an enormous gap, right? I mean, the Kamara's the McCaffrey's of the world. They, you know, McCaffrey's always hurt. Uh, Kamara is, is nifty, but he does it more in the passing game probably um, you know, or just as much, I would say, in, in the pass game as he, as he does the run game. I mean, I, Ezekiel Elliott's not the guy he once was. I mean, I, I, I don't know, Gary. Yeah, Delvin Cook would have to be gap as, I, as I try to think of other great running backs in the league. Eckler and San Diego's okay. I mean, but I mean, there, there's just, there's not a lot of great backs in the league right now. Yeah. Delvin Cook in Minnesota when he's healthy. You know, Cook, there you go. I forgot Cook. Yep. Yeah. He's probably two, isn't he? Yeah. He'd probably be two in my book. Yep. Yep. Uh, hey, uh, I, I'll tell you what, just one other quick uh, hit on, on a running back, and that's uh, former Wisconsin star Jonathan Taylor. He's having a really nice season, I mean, quietly. And, and the, the point I wanted to make about Jonathan Taylor was he was picked in the second round, and, and to me it's like how running backs have become so un- undervalued in the NFL because of the passing game. But – if you look at all the good teams in the league, at least the vast majority of them, they got a good running back. And it just amazes me that teams continue to let good running backs like Jonathan Taylor, you know, slide out of the first round. Yeah, Gary, especially when you think back and you and I were both at the, at the combine in 2020, that was the last combine we had. And then, you know, COVID hit about a month later, but at that combine, Taylor ran a four, three, nine, Gary, I'm in, and I remember you and I talked about it a little bit that that particular week, it, uh, I, I thought he'd be a late first Gary, but you're right. Teams, teams completely undervalue running backs in, in today's world. Um, you know, there, there was that stretch a few years back where I think Gurley and Melvin Gordon went in the same draft and, and they were both in the top 15. Um, you know, but for the most part they're having, you know, I think Zeke went fourth to Dallas there haven't been a, a, a ton of first round running backs over the last 
five or six years. These guys think they can get him in round two or even later. I mean, think the Packers got Aaron Jones, right? Yeah. Gary in round five. I think Kamara with the, with the saints was, was, was a, was a third round guy. Um, you know, you look around the league and a lot of these run, and I think the chiefs took that Edwards Hilaire in round one uh, yeah. back in 2020 Gary, but um, you know, most of these guys don't uh, you know, are, are certainly are not picked in the first 32 spots there. They, they, they fall into the second round. No, I mean, and Taylor's off to a heck of a start. Um, and they've been beat up up front too. The Colts have, I mean, they're, they're without their, their best offensive lineman and Quentin Nelson. And, and, and he's still doing that. Gary, I, you know, I, I watch the Badgers religiously and it's so funny. They'll, they'll get some of these Don't backs. Don't they call you that. Bucky? Second or, I'm sorry? <laughs> Don't they call you Bucky? <laughs> they call me Red Coat Robbie is what they call me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Obviously the Badgers are, you know, giving me a, a, a lot of pain and headaches these days, but yeah. you know, Gary, they'll get these guys since Taylor left to the second or third level. And that's, that's when Taylor ran away and hid from people back at, back in Madison. He turned that 15 yard run into a 70 yarder. And, and now they got these guys that are average, like the Chaz Maluzis of the world or, or Berger who just left the program, right. Who, who get to that second or third level. And, and then a safety is going to get them. A corner is going to get them. A linebacker might even get them. And that's why that Badger offense is one of the reasons that they've, that they've struggled. No, Taylor's Taylor's got unique speed. I mean, Gary, he, you know, he, he, the biggest knock on him, if you remember, was the fumbling. Um, yeah, he was, yeah. he was never hurt. He didn't miss any time. He, he's an A plus human being, according to everybody who, who knows him well. I mean, he's a model citizen. He, he, he's what you want that, you know, position and that player to look like. So no, as a, as, as a guy who's watched some Badger running backs, you know, not do all that great in, in the NFL game, Gary, you know, back to, you know, starting with Ron Dane, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure to watch Taylor. Uh, kind of light it up right now with the Colts. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of, I'm really curious to see what he does the rest of the season. I mean, he had like 105 yards, I believe, a couple of weeks ago, and then last Sunday, he had 145 yards, and it seems like he is really getting comfortable, you know, with the NFL and uh, with the with the Colts. So, uh, again, I, I'm kind of kind of curious to see what kind of season uh, he has. Oh, you, you and me both, Gary. He's got all his touchdowns in the last three games. He's got four touchdowns. They've all come in the last three weeks. You don't, the Colts are deep at that position, Gary. I mean, Marlon Mack's a good football player two years ago. Yeah. Um, he, he had a, he had a, he had a heck of a season. I think he was top eight or 10 in the league and in, in rushing. They've got that, that, that the guy Hines who they like to give some carries to um, they've gotten healthy again in the past game. Hilton came back for them last week. Um, you know, they've, they've got, They've got the Pittman kid out of USC who was a second round pick, um, you know, so, so they do have some weapons there for Wentz, but I would think it all begins and ends, you know, in terms of their offense moving forward with, you know, with, with, with Jonathan Taylor, he's five and a half yards, a, a crack right now, Gary, um, behind an offensive line that when it's healthy should be top three or five in all of football. So, I mean, if, if I'm Indianapolis trying to get back in the hunt for a playoff spot, you know, I, I, I have my offense begin and end with Jonathan Taylor. Okay, we got the uh, two-minute warning for our podcast here, so we've got some really, really quick hits here. Oh, goodness, that one quick. Tell tell me at this point now, we've moved by the quarter pole of the regular season. Tell me who you like in the AFC, who you like in the NFC. To represent them in the Super Bowl? Correct. For me, until proven otherwise, I would never bet a nickel against Tom Brady which means Tampa Bay to me is the favorite in the NFC, Gary. The NFC is loaded. It's better than the AFC. There's, there's, some, there's been some separation. I mean, I think in, in my order, my pecking order right now, Gary, would go Tampa 1, Arizona 2, mm-hmm. the Rams 3, the Packers 4, and Dallas 5. And I would move Dallas up a spot or two if they changed head coaches because that meathead is going to wind up screwing up that team somewhere in the playoffs because he can't do math. Wow. Um, <laughs> Rob comes out firing. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, hey, that roster is probably better than almost all the teams I just listed, Gary. But but I I, I think they've got a real problem at head coach. Um, and, and it's going to be fascinating to see if they stumble in the playoffs, what the Joneses are going to do with Mike McCarthy. But but I, I will still start and have my Super Bowl team beat Tampa Bay. They're beat up too, Gary. They're beat up big time. 
And they are, they're second they're five and one off going. And and I mean, why would anybody ever bet against Tom Brady in a playoff game, right? So so if it's if it's Tampa Green Bay again, if it's Tampa and the Rams, if it's Tampa and the Cardinals in, in the NFC championship game, not in a million years would I bet against Tom Brady. Right now, Gary, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get Baltimore a slight edge in the AFC because I think they're the most complete team. I thought it was Buffalo until Monday night. And then the way that defense kind of collapsed, um, it, it does give me pause there. I think they're the second best team. The AFC is down though, Gary. I mean, the chiefs are going to give up 35 to 40 points a game uh, in, in big moments and against top level offenses. I don't buy the chargers. I still don't buy Tennessee totally because they don't play great defense. I think the AFC might be a two horse race with uh with buffalo and and with baltimore but i'll give baltimore a slight edge right now so my super bowl right now gary would be Tampa over baltimore you know what rob i i totally concur uh, but i'll tell you what i i really like dallas uh, i'll be honest with you i never thought they would be this good this soon and uh, I, I think they do have some question marks at, at coaching but uh, my goodness, they, they have looked really good. The thing about Tampa Bay, you know, we, we talked earlier about the uh, Packers secondary and how beat up its secondary is. Tampa Bay's secondary is hurting too. And uh, they went out and got Richard Sherman, you know, because of it. And now he's hurt as well. So it kind of tells you the dilemma they're in, but they still have uh, TB. And as long as TB's around, like you said, it's, it's tough to bet against them. Last one for the day, MVP. Yeah, I looked at this pretty close this morning, Gary. Um, I'm going to give it to Tom Brady at this point. And, and Gary, it's fascinating. I, I went and did some, some – I look back at his numbers. Do you know he's only won the MVP three times? I know that. I, you know what's funny? I looked at that the other day. I was shocked. I mean, I would have thought he had five, Gary, just, yep, just off the yep. top of my head. He, he won it in seven, 10 and 17. And as good as the Patriots were all those years, you would have thought he would have had a couple more somewhere, somewhere in there. Yeah. But, you know, Gary, he is on pace for 5,848 passing yards. That's yeah. about four. That's about 400 more than the record held by Peyton Manning. Now Peyton did it in 16 games. Tom would do it in 17 but Tom's even ahead of the clip where Peyton did it. And Peyton did it with the Broncos. Um, Tom's throwing for 344 yards a game, Gary. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, he's at an all time record pace there. So that's clearly first in the league. He's on pace, Gary, for 48 touchdowns. So he's second in the league right now, I think in, in touchdown passes, his quarterback rating is 108. He's only thrown three picks. Um, they're five and one. They're going to wind up being 15 and two or 14 and three when it's all said and done, probably in the hunt for that number one seed in the NFC, which, which the voters certainly look at team success and individual success. Gary, I think there's a couple of guys that are really in the discussion that can challenge Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, even Matthew Stafford, who, who leads the league in passer rating and, and has the Rams at five and one. Um, but right now I'd give a slight edge to Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I would agree. We're we're agreeing way too much today. <laughs> you, know, but, you know what? You know what, Gary? You know you know how we'll get some disagreement on this if yeah. if we bring my wife into the podcast, then or or or, or I'm guessing your wife. Then, then there'll be a lot more disagreeing. If I told my wife that we were doing a football podcast, she goes, "I don't want to talk about soccer." <laughs> you know, so, any, anyways, you know, but. As much as I like Brady, and I and agree with you, he would be my MVP. Lamar Jackson has been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, he he has really re, really evolved into an outstanding quarterback. But think of this: you got Jackson, you got Josh Allen, you got Henry Herbert from the Chargers is you know playing very well. Prescott's playing out of his mind. Brady, Murray, Stafford. There's a lot of guys in the mix right now. Yeah, I mean, Rogers, win, yeah. Rogers, who wins it last year, Gary, wouldn't get a single vote at this point in time. I mean, there's, no, no, there's, there's at least eight to ten candidates, at least statistically, like the, the, that are having better seasons. You, you know, you and I hit most of them right there. I mean, Lamar's on pace, Gary, to run for 1,100 yards and throw yeah. for 4,500. So you're talking about maybe the best team in the AFC, and he's going to be pushing 55. 100 to 6,000 total yards, right? Dak Prescott at, at worst, Gary, is going to be comeback player of the year 
and he could be MVP if Dallas keeps this going. His passer rating right now is 115. I mean, think about that. It's that, that, Jackson's that, is 115. I'm sorry. You said Jackson's is 115. No, Dax is. Dax oh, Prescott. Dax. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, Lamar's is right at about 100. Dax at 115. Um, you know, Kyler Murray's the only undefeated quarterback out there right mm-hmm. now, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. What if they go 15 and two, 14 and three? Right, Gary. You know, his, his passer rating is 116.2. That's second in the league. And you know who's first? My guy Matthew Stafford, who's I taking know. up. You know, who's taking that offense to a totally new level. And he's first in passer rating, and he's on pace, Gary, for about 5,000 passing yards and 43 touchdowns. So, I mean, right there, those five quarterbacks, and, and you hit Herbert and, and Derrick Henry and, and some others in that mix. It's, it's, it's a remarkable field right now, and it is really fascinating that Rodgers isn't even in the discussion. Yeah, so true. Well, Mr. Reichel, sadly, uh, another riveting podcast has come to an end. <laughs> that is sad, Gary. I know. I know. We, we should go for a marathon podcast sometime, just like you know, two hours or whatever. And maybe we'll do that in the bye week, right? We'll we'll just cover all topics NFL. Exactly. So we'll, we'll solve all the world's problems, Gary. That sounds like a plan. Well, <laughs> thanks, Rob, so much. Uh, I enjoyed your uh, terrific takes as usual and, and your valuable time. And thanks to our listeners. Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Whipple and WhipplesPressBox.com.